Hey everybody, welcome to the Puppy Training Principles Podcast. I'm Jason and this is my wife, Lorelai. We're here with Cornerstone Dog Training and CornerstonePuppy.com. And we're also here with a special guest today with uh, Zach, who has gone through the training process and we want to hear about his story and his experience. Yeah, we're excited to have Zach here. Thanks so much, Zach, for being willing to come and share your story. Sure. Glad to be here. So just Zach, will turn it over to you to tell us about you and your dog and the situation you had found yourself in before starting training. Okay. So we have, uh, we, about five years ago, a little over five years ago, we got two Cavaliers, Cavalier King Charles Spaniels. Um, and they were great. We were, we were never dog people before that. I was never, it was never going to be worth the mess and the hassle to me, but we were yeah. moving and it was going to be tough on my son. And so we decided we'd get a dog, came home with two and <laughs> we loved him so much. A year later, we got a third and that was Ruby. Um, so the first two were Groot and Gamora. And then we brought Ruby home about a year later. And so she, you got the first two for your son. Yeah. Yeah. The first one was supposed to be for him and, and then, like I said, we fell in love with two, and so they were litter mates, and we brought them both home. And um, yeah, then then we were forever dog people after that. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, funny how that can change, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it changed it. I mean, I knew that people cared about their pets, but I didn't understand why they cared so much about their pets. But now I get it. They're they're our kids. Yeah, we have we have a lot of friends that are just like we know your dog trainers, but yeah, never. And we're like, we'll see. You know, we'll just yeah wait till the right time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so then you introduced number three. Yeah, so number three, Ruby came in and uh, she made herself right at home. She was never, she didn't care or worry about who was dominant or who belonged or who didn't. She just she just belonged. She was there. And uh, she was about a year old. We were walking in the neighborhood and she was attacked by a neighbor dog. It was kind of through a fence and it was a, a collie and he reached through, grabbed her, pulled her in. And so it was pretty traumatic. She had a big cut over her eye and it was a vet visit. And after that, it, it we didn't really notice it right away, but Ever since then, she really hated every other dog on the planet, except for our male brute. Um, she, Ruby and Gamora tolerated each other, but never really were great friends. But I mean, they would sleep in the same kennel. They would eat together and everything was fine. And then uh, a few months later, something happened. We don't know exactly what, but they were all together on the floor and my daughter was with them and one of them kind of got spooked. She was, I think she moved her foot into one of them and one of them got startled and they both just latched on and they went nuts. And uh, then a couple months later, they fought again. A couple months later, they fought again. And, and we figured out we had to keep them apart always. The, the two females. Yep. Ruby and Gamora. Okay. And I mean, they're both as sweet as can be otherwise, but except yeah. for Ruby, we also noticed uh, if we were walking or at a family get together or whatever, if there was another dog, she wanted at it. it. Didn't matter what the dog was doing or how far away it was or how big it was. She needed to go kill that dog. 
So, um, you know, that was, that was a real pain and got, got us plenty of visits to the vet. And so, um, you know, we, Ruby kind of, we, we figure, you know, we, we can't talk to her really. She doesn't tell us what she's thinking, but uh, it seems like she learned from that first encounter, uh, to strike first and strike hard, like, like Cobra Kai. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, we just figured out ways to keep them always separated. And if we took Ruby to on a walk or to a soccer game or whatever, and we just had to watch out to not let her encounter other dogs or take her to the car because she would be causing a scene, freaking out on seeing other dogs. Uh, and that was just life. The, uh, our vet, uh, we worked with a trainer. We worked with a dog psychologist that was in Illinois. We worked with, uh, you know, we, we talked to other dog owners and pretty much everybody said it can't be fixed. You're just going to have to rehome her. It's not fair to keep her in the house with, with wow. the other dog. And we, we thought long and hard about that. We tried to figure out a way to do it, but I mean, we, we couldn't, we couldn't send her away any easier than we could send away one of our kids. Yeah. Which we'd also considered many times. (laughs) (laughs) Solve solve that problem. So we have eight kids. We've thought that before sometimes too. But (laughs) (laughs) so at this point how long had you had all three? So um at that point so it was we'd had them a year when the kind of the fighting started or had Ruby for a year. And so the others for two years, kind of when the fighting has started and we, we sort of dealt with that and, and, and I don't know, figured out how bad it was. It it took us maybe a, a few more months, not quite a year to, to realize that she just couldn't be with any other dog ever, except for our, our male group. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's, there, you know, a lot of people like you've talked about, learn how to manage that situation and it, yeah, becomes, yeah. it becomes heavy management all the time. Yeah. Uh, so we had a, a playpen set up in the kitchen uh, and leashes tied to either end of the couches. So always one would be on a leash with one of us or on a leash tied to the couch or in the pen or in the kennel or outside. So, or in somebody's bedroom. So. Uh, just they they were always physically separated and then we hear like a lot of people saying the same thing that you said of that where most people are just offering a lack of hope so um what i mean with that i mean it sounds like you were managing things the best you could and there wasn't a lot of hope there what made you decide to actually keep trying a lot of people just they they say well and i love to ask this question because everybody that comes with that situation has usually figured out some way to manage it. Right. And so why, why not just keep managing the situation? Why keep trying to look for a solution? So we, when we would, when people would come over or we would explain to people what we had to do with them. I mean, they looked at us like we had three heads, like you really do all of that. Yeah. Why, why bother? And you just get used to it. But, uh, and so I guess that's why we, uh, waited but um so when we got into the dog world uh, my wife tammy she joined a lot of facebook groups that were specific to to cavaliers because that's the dog that we fell in love with 
Um, and then she followed rescue groups and she started following shelter pages and kind of just started really seeing the world of dog abuse, dog situations that needed rescues. And, um, and so she, you know, she had a really soft spot for all of those groups and all of those situations. And, uh, she works at the school near our house and, so at the beginning of this past summer, she wanted to do something for the summers, volunteer somewhere. So uh, she got in touch with the Weber County Animal Shelter that's uh, not far from us. And she started volunteering there. And then and I was like, well, I'll, I'll come and help you a little bit here and there. And now it's where I am. It's, it's where we both are almost all the time that we can possibly get there. It's just that's awesome. It's it's been a really eye-opening and rewarding experience. And anyway, one of the other volunteers there we talked to, and she had a dog. She has a dog that's reactive, and she uh, had just finished going through or was going through a, a an extensive course in uh, dealing with reactive dogs. And so we asked about that, and she pointed us to you guys, and then then we came. Do you know and that so we, I, you know, everybody had said, pretty much everybody had said, you really can't fix this situation with Ruby. Yeah. But I figured at least we can maybe find better ways to manage it or or help her a little bit. But even if we don't get anywhere with Ruby, I thought I at least want to learn some better techniques for handling these dogs at the shelter because they're all so stressed. It's such yeah. a a tough environment for them, and you don't know. Either they have a terrible history or a completely unknown history. And I just I wanted to be helping them, not doing more harm. And and so I thought, even if I don't get anywhere with Ruby, then I can pick up some skills and learn how to deal with these dogs. Awesome. I, I did. I actually, that's one of the things I did to start was I would go to the shelter and foster dogs. Yeah. Make them so that they could be adoptable. Yeah. Yeah, exactly you learn a lot because dogs are not every dog's the same. So you go through it like a program like this with one dog and you're like, Oh wow, I have all these answers. And then you get to another dog and you're like, wait a second. <laughs> yeah. So well, that's really cool. That's awesome to, to hear that part of the story. Um, did you ever, were you, I mean, did you ever have one of those moments where you just thought this wasn't fixable? Uh, yeah. I mean, I pretty much accepted that, Ruby wasn't fixable and this is what we would do until she was a senior dog. And, and that, that was just going to be life. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even when we came in for the consultation, I think with Brittany and uh, it was just like, yeah, well, I don't know, maybe, maybe we'll get somewhere. She, I mean, she was confident that we would make good progress with Ruby, but then it was, fixable or at least treatable. Uh, but, but yeah, even then I thought, well, I'm, I'm here to learn for myself and for dealing with other dogs that I'll meet in life. And Ruby is just the dog that I'm going to take through the program with me. Yeah. Yeah. He's along for the ride. I'm here for the, <laughs> for the training. Well, tell us more, um, tell us more about that process with Ruby through that, through the program. So, uh, you know, we, we came for the consult and then I think the following week we came for the first class, we started doing training with Michaela and, uh, 
it just, I mean, right from the get go, it, it was a lot easier than I thought it would be. Uh, just how do you mean that? So I, I guess, I guess we started easy. We started, you know, with, um, with the prong collar and with the doggy dance and with place and, uh, and I think with weight, I think those were kind of the main things in those first couple of weeks. And Ruby just responded well. And uh, especially with with uh, the walking, the doggy dance and the prong collar, you know, she she didn't need – she needed a, a strong correction once or maybe twice with that prong collar. And after that, she didn't need a strong correction. She She was – really glued to me. I mean, she checked in constantly when we were walking and, you know, I, I, I had watched a lot of videos online and stuff too, around the time that we started this training, trying to learn all I could. And one thing that I had seen a lot and heard and kind of was figuring out was Ruby, when we would walk her, well, all of our dogs, I guess all dogs in general, they, they like to walk out front. They like to pull. And that's what makes walking dogs not fun. And, uh, so, but I, I didn't ever realize and what I kind of learned with the training was when she's walking out front like that, she thinks that it's her job to protect. It's all of, all of the responsibility to scan and protect and, and keep me safe is on her shoulders. Yeah. And so that situation. Yeah. So once we were working on the doggy dance, using the prong collar and keeping her, behind behind or beside me and she's looking at me the whole time um you know we didn't we weren't i didn't feel like we were working on this directly but pretty quick i noticed we were walking and i was waiting for the first time this happened because our neighborhood there's lots of off-leash dogs and so i was waiting for it and the first time i was walking her and there was another dog she saw the dog and she looked at me she didn't look at the dog. She didn't pull forward. She didn't bark. She didn't pant. She didn't whimper. She looked at me and was like, you got this. Like, like making sure I've got this. So she didn't yeah. have to. And wow. I mean, I, that was just like, that was the coolest moment. I mean, there were lots of, lots of cool things with the training, but that moment right there was like, oh my gosh, I'm getting through to her. She's, she's changed. She's figuring out yeah. life can be better. Yeah. And I love that realization that you've had of that they, it takes stress off of your dog's shoulders yeah. for you to, yeah. be able to have them walking beside you like that. Yeah. And I, I love you sharing that example. I'm sitting here with cold chills because this is why we do what we do. Like, I love that moment where it's like this. I mean, you, you had, you, you said, what did you say? A behaviorist, a trainer and a vet. Say yeah. That- Say that this is kind of just the way it's going to be. And to to have that moment and to just be like, wow, this is, things are changing. And to understand that, to, to go through that process, that's why we do it. That's I love that. I love hearing that. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was just, just amazing. It was, it, it was as close, I think, as, as I could come to Ruby saying, thank you. This is what I've been needing. Yeah. Yeah. And it, anybody who trains dogs knows that it's not, I mean, that, that all of a sudden it's not just like click and it's all done. There's still work to do. Right. Right. And there's still management because these aren't robots. Um, they're dogs. <laughs> they're another living creature. Um, but that moment 
I mean, that, you know, that little nugget just gives you the hope to continue forward and to say, okay, something's happening here. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, she's still, she still was a reactive dog. We still had to keep her separate from Gamora, from our other female. Right. Um, and, and if we, so walking by another dog while walking, that was one thing, but if there was a dog that approached her or if I approached right. another dog with her, she, she still would get stressed. I mean, we still had plenty of work to do, but, but yeah, it was then that it was like, right direction. this is, this is worth it. This is worth the time and the money and the, the uncertainty of wondering, am I dumping all this into something that's not going to work? So, yeah. yeah. Awesome. I love too that uh, through this process, you get to work with other dogs. Um, and that's, I, 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 I'm guessing I know who referred you from that shelter. I don't know. Do you know her name? Is it Jessica? Yep. It was Jess. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Jess is a, we ought to have her on the podcast sometime. Actually, I was yeah. thinking about it. She, she'd be great because she does a ton with the animal shelter. And I love, I love that. I, I, I told her just go for it. Yeah. You, you have the tools, you, you have the understanding now um, to work with dogs in a, in a special way. And that's what I love to see. I love to love that you guys are doing that too. That's really awesome because yeah. every dog that I've ever met changes when we can communicate to them in the right way, when we help Absolutely. when we can kind of get down on their level and play their game and treat them like dogs and not always like humans, right? As much as we love to, um, yeah. but to help them through that and through that moment is huge. That's really awesome. Yeah. So you had mentioned before that you had wanted to talk about um, not allowing your dog to escape or when it's kind of hard for them for a little bit as you're learning a new thing, right? So not allowing them to get out of it right away. Yeah. Is that what you mean? Letting okay, make so, so yeah, so we made, we, we had all this progress with Ruby and, um, you know, we just kept going on the training and making progress as we went along. And so I, I would let her, I would let her get, closer and closer to interactions with other dogs. Um, I, at first I was kind of like, you know, thinking like a human, not like a dog. I was bringing her to meet other dogs to, you know, talk and show her through it that, Hey, see, this is okay. Michaela, let me know. No, that's, that's you telling her that she can't trust you because you keep putting her in these situations. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, and that was that was probably halfway through the training that you know, I still had plenty to learn and plenty that I was figuring out. Um, but but what I did do is I didn't seek out those situations. But if they happened, then I, I followed uh, Michaela's advice. I'd have Ruby sit behind me and position myself between her and the other dog. And yeah, she really did. When I started doing that, she really started to figure out. All right, when there's when these things happen. He's got me covered. I don't need to worry about it. I can just sit and wait. And and then she started doing a lot better with those meetings. And uh, there was there was a day I was my son was at soccer practice, so I was taking that time to do training with Ruby. And an off leash dog from across the street ran over, ran right at us. And Ruby sat and looked at me before I even knew the dog was there. Wow. And, and so, you know, she still, 
like like Michaela pointed out, she still wasn't. She's not a dog. She's not a dog park dog. She's not a dog that wants to go to parties and mingle and touch other dogs and be sniffed by other dogs. She's just not a big fan of that. Probably because of her history, bad things have happened, and she's just uneasy about it. And there's no way I can explain to her that it's not always that way. But but you know, she was in this threatening situation with another dog, and she was chill. So so that was really amazing. Um, you know, that's one thing sometimes we have to overcome as as humans when we have our dogs. A lot of times we have this idea of what a dog should be. Maybe it's because we've had a dog in the past that was like that. That certain personality. Yeah. And, and so we often try to get that, you know, square peg to fit into a round hole um, instead of saying, you know what, this dog's a little different. And people are different. So I don't know why we sometimes think dogs are all the same, right? Yeah. That that every dog is going to love, you know, greeting and being around other dogs and that there aren't, because there are, there's asocial dogs that are like, you know what? I, you know, I, I'd rather not be hanging around a whole bunch of other dogs. Right. Um, and sometimes we just try and make that work. And uh, we want them to be able to live in society, but not necessarily force them into those situations all the time. And sometimes it does happen because of experiences that they've had, right? Where in the back of her mind, I went, she's like, I went through this traumatic thing and that's still a possibility. However, in her mind, before you started training, she's probably thinking every dog is that possibility. And now she's like, okay, well, he says I should relax and I'll be fine. And look, I was, and I can trust him. That's awesome. Right. So that's a big step. Yeah. And so one of the things we really wanted to do, uh, especially my wife has for three years now wanted to foster uh, dogs that were in need, but with Ruby, it just wasn't a possibility. It was, we, we couldn't foster from a rescue because none of them would let any of their dogs come here because of our situation with Ruby. And, you know, even if they would, like we could foster a shelter dog, but, you know, just having to keep now three different dogs apart, was, was just going to be too much, but yeah. there was a dog that I connected with at the shelter and she, uh, some, a family took her home on a, a Saturday, I think a Friday or Saturday. And, uh, they called me the next day and said, this isn't working. We're not going to let her in the house and we're going to take her back on Monday. And I couldn't let her do that. I, I, had, I had named her and really kind of bonded with her and, um, she was kind of like one of my own. And so I, I, I met him somewhere and said, let me just hang on to her for the weekend and then I'll get her back to the shelter. And I couldn't get her back to the shelter. <laughs> it was just, she, she was here. She, I, I knew the things that she needed. I knew what to do with her and she responded really well. And, uh, and she really wasn't doing well in the shelter. And so, you know, we decided to keep her for a little longer, let her, calm down a bit. And anyway, long story short, we, we still have her. And uh, so See, it's a know, dangerous we, game, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. It's, it's going to be a foster fail. We, we decided to foster and now, yeah, we're pretty much failing where she's going to stay. <laughs> um, What's her name? Her name is Shenzi. Okay. So she, uh, she kind of looked like a hyena and she reminded me of those hyenas in the Lion King and the, the, the female hyena there was named Shenzi. We, we looked it up and 
you know, okay. anyway, so uh, she's a pit bull boxer mix. And so, you know, we, I, I kept her in, in the basement where my dogs don't go and kept her down, down here for a week and uh, just kind of let them smell each other for a while and then did really slow introductions, let them see each other and not go in the same room. Um, with with our two dogs, our Groot and Gamora, but you know, pretty much just plan to keep Ruby away from it forever. Then one day, I I don't know, felt ambitious. I let Ruby and Shenzi meet, and you know, they both they, Shenzi didn't seem to have any problem, but Ruby was kind of you know a little bit a little on edge, but she was still watching me she was following my commands and we kept it pretty short and i took her back upstairs and uh then one day i was walking uh, i think walking shenzi and came home came in the backyard and ruby was out in the backyard and just kind of let them start getting a little closer and figured out they were actually fine with each other ruby was was sniffing Shenzi, letting Shenzi sniff her. They, there was never any tension, never any body language saying that there was going to be a problem. And I mean, we just kind of stood there with our jaws on the floor thinking, how's this happening? Uh Brought the other two dogs out. And uh, after just a little while, all four of them were free together, taking treats, waiting for treats, uh, touching each other and nobody had any problems, especially Ruby had no problems. So, so go, we went from having one dog that had to be kept separate from this dog and this dog from those dogs and uh, to all four dogs could run around the house together, run outside together, go in the car together, eat together, sleep together, whatever. Um, so that was, I mean, that was, beyond my wildest dreams i never thought that would happen and even if somebody told me it was okay i still wouldn't have tried it but you know it, it happened amazing uh, so but then i think i think this is what you were asking about um, that i had mentioned so i mean i was over the moon that things were going so well and you know i thought ruby is more fixed than anybody thought she could be uh so we really i really backed off i well, for one thing, I was busy working with Shenzi um, and then also at the shelter a lot. And so, you know, there was a time part of it, but but also Ruby was just doing so great. She she did great without the e-collar, without the prong collar. So uh, with her training, I totally backed off and just kind of I, I fell into that trap, which which at group class, Michaela said and in training she said, if it seems like she's doing great, if it seems like your dog's doing great, keep the stuff on. Don't stop it yet. Keep it on for, you know, a, a while longer. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't. I took it off, and it, everything was fine for a bit. And and then one day, one morning, Ruby and Gamora met in the hallway. I think that, I don't know, the sound of their paws on the floor, and maybe one of them surprised the other, but they went at it. They fought, and said, ah, nuts, we're we're back again. So, so I, you know, like I said, I can't, I can't ask them what they're thinking, but I think that it was, 
uh, a big part of that was just backing off, letting her out of the training and considering her fixed and forgetting that this isn't a fixed and done thing. It's, it's gotta be a lifestyle and it's gotta be forever. It doesn't have to be intensive training forever, but it's got to be something that you incorporate always. Yes. Otherwise don't even bother. Yeah. I, well, and I, I, it's a lot like exercise, right? Like yeah. there, there comes a level where sometimes we're just, we're good and we're like, okay, I'm not totally, I'm not like basketball professional fit, but I'm happy where I'm at. And that's good. That's great. As long as it's working, but you have to maintain in some way as well. Right. Yeah. But the maintenance is easier than it was originally to start it like dogs get right back into it pretty fast. Yeah. Yeah, they really do. Um, and in fact, I'm, I'm starting to work with Gamora because I'm, I'm noticing that Gamora seems to be trying to get to Ruby as much as Ruby ever tried to get to Gamora. So I'm, you know, getting Ruby back into things. And, and like I say, it's, it's not like doing hours of intensive training a day. It's just simple things incorporated into regular life. So if I am going to watch TV or if I need a minute to get something ready in the kitchen, I can put Ruby on place and walk away. And I pretty much know that she's going to stay. Yeah. Not to the point that I can do that with Gamora yet, but Ruby will do that. Um, I think I sent you guys a picture on uh, just the other day, we were at dinner at my in-laws and uh, we brought Ruby and she had her e-collar on, but I didn't have to use it. But, you know, she, I think she knows it's there and it helps her remember to think through her actions. Some, yeah. Sometimes it's like a comfort blanket, right? It's like, oh yeah, yeah. Mom, I, and, and uh, our dog's that way. She's better with her e-collar on. She's seven. Like yeah. she, she, so we always try to transition away from it. But when it comes down to it, she feels more secure with it on. And we don't use it every day, but certain situations we're like, oh, time for that. Yeah. And it's, have the e it's not like I even know where the remote is as long as she has the collar <laughs> on. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so in that is, situation. Uh, sorry, what's that? She did good in that situation. She did. Yeah, she did really good. So she, um, you know, we were eating. And so just in the kitchen, I... I had her on, on place somewhere else, but there was uh, a toddler and a baby that were going over and she's really good, but you know, I don't want to push her farther than she needs to be pushed. And, yeah. Um, so I brought her kind of more into the, into the area where we're, we were eating and I just put her in a down and uh, there was some food on the floor that she had been looking at. I set that in front of her. And so she just, she pretty much won't, well, sometimes she forgets, but she's one of the things we worked on a lot was not taking food because she was really bad at snatching food out of your hands. So uh, for the most part, she won't take food now unless she's told to take it. So I put some food on the floor in front of her that somebody had dropped and had her in and down. And she sat there and stared at the food while I ate in peace and you know, she had a job to do. She was happy and I didn't have to keep dealing with her and I was happy. And so, you know, it didn't really take any big effort, but it, it it's just working that training and the skills that she's learned into normal life. But yeah. I love, 
I love this. When people go through the program, one of the changes that I love to see is that uh, all of a sudden hard situations, like our mindset changes. And I love it when I see that happen because in, in hard situations, instead of it being like, oh, dang it, this is hard. It's like, ooh, training opportunity. And yeah. <laughs> you're like, hey, this is an opportunity to train. And you I know, know what to do right now <laughs> to make this be a good experience. Yeah. And so many people like starting out would say, oh, yeah, my dog would never let that food be on the floor. And I love sending pictures like that to people when their dog's doing training. Um, and they're like, what? There's no way. And it's it's true yeah. because it's a, it's a mindset change for them just as much as it is for us. But to to push those boundaries from different angles so that really it's it's more than pushing a boundary. It's defining the boundary around what we expect. And so the dog says, oh, I understand where the line is. And doing that, I mean, if I had to play a sport, like if I was playing soccer, but I didn't know where any of the boundaries were, I would be pretty frustrated all the time too, right? That'd be oh, and yeah. it'd be really hard to, you, you wouldn't want to play the game very long. It'd just be, it'd be maddening. Frustrating. Yeah. But yeah. knowing where those boundaries are makes it so that we can play the game. It makes it so that it's fun. Right. Uh, and so often we think freedom is just having no boundaries but boundaries really are a key part to freedom. And particularly if we're going to play and enjoy and have, have fun with life, we have to set boundaries in that position. Yeah. Yeah. So there was a couple of things that I noticed that I really appreciated that you did in talking about those situations that you had, like one with, um, at your, uh, parents' house, you said, right. It was my in-laws. Yeah. Um, and how you noticed that there was maybe a little too much for the dog to handle with a toddler there or whatever to kind of advocate for your dog, right? Of saying, right. okay, let's change this situation. It's a little too much right now, but mm -hmm. to still do some training too. Like, don't just expect that because you, you don't want to just manage all the time, right? Yeah. You want to continue to teach and um, increase that relationship and increase their abilities. So you were able to find a situation where they could handle it, but they're still learning. Um, and then when you were trying to in, get your dogs together, that might be a struggle that you trained first. Cause people come to us often are like, my dog's having problems with other dogs and we're saying, okay, this will help. Okay. Let's start working with just your dog for quite a few weeks and they're yeah. like what or they'll say well my dog has issues in my home and you're wanting me to bring the dog over to you we're like well yeah we got to start there so that we can get there yeah um, right. and just realizing that you have to start with that dog and get those get their anxiety levels down and get your relationship built up with each other and get those tools in their belt of things they can do um that they can know where the boundary is and be calm in it before you start incorporating these harder things like interactions with other, other dogs so that you did that. And then that you are very cautious and slow and in them meeting the first time. Cause often people are like, well, it's, it is what it's going to be. Let's just throw them in there. <laughs> right. Um, realizing right. that they can socialize even being on place or whatever in separate corners of the room that they yeah. have to come and be in each other's faces. To yeah, start. yeah. That's definitely something that, that I've learned through, uh, especially your training and a lot of other content that I've watched is 
if, if two dogs have any awareness of each other, they're socializing. That's yeah. They're, they're there. They're figuring it out. They're dealing with it already. They don't have to talk or touch or be close. Yes. And so, yeah, really have noticed that with Ruby and it's, it's helped a ton, you know, taking those kinds of things slow with her uh, at this same dinner that I was just talking about. Uh, she was, she was, when, when I had her on place, I brought a, a bed of hers. And so she was just on place uh, watching, watching things happen and waiting. And some, my nephew showed up who has uh, a German shepherd who's I think eight or 10 months old. So big and very much a puppy and not, yeah. doesn't, doesn't always know about boundaries. Doesn't yeah. realize his size yet and stuff like right, that. No, not at all. Uh, so, you know, and, and he was on leash and um, they, they showed up. I didn't know they were showing up. I didn't see them come in and, you know, they came in with their dog and walked by Ruby and there she stayed. I'm sure she, I know she noticed him and I, you know, she's had some encounters with him before and some of it she didn't like, and but she, she stayed there. She, I, Hopefully she knows that when she's on place, she's not going to be bothered. She's not going to be asked to do anything. She's just left alone. And uh, so, yeah, it, what, what would have been, I mean, just, just a few short months ago, what would have been uh, definitely a vet visit uh, and, and maybe worse uh, was nothing. Yeah. So often people, when, when their dog goes into an avoidance stage, they rescue their dog out of that situation instead of letting them work through it, right? Yeah. And uh, my guess is, if you think back to, to that relapse you talked about in the hallway with your other dog, there's no avoidance there in a hallway. And almost all multi-dog houses that have bite issues, it happens in a in a bottleneck area like that. Yeah. Because all of a sudden now there's there's two two dogs facing each other and they've got to pass some way and with you know and it's tight. But yeah. it's really hard to to work through that. And hallways, so hallways. So having a situation like that at your in-laws where your dog can be there and probably on place. And I, I'm just envisioning what she looked like in that situation. I don't know for sure, but my guess is she probably was avoidant. And some people would label that as sad. But then that dog passes by and then it's like, oh, that wasn't a big deal. And they can they can cognitively take that in. So that's a big step. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. She was she was intently watching. She she is not a very avoidant dog. She <laughs> she she likes to take things head on. <laughs> As we've learned. She's like ready in case she needs to fight. Right. And a yeah. lot of dogs that have had fight fighting or biting issues are also in that situation. But there comes a chance where, you know, that, that moment where even with an intent look, that dog passes by and it's like, well, that didn't escalate how I thought it would. And sometimes you just have to have more experiences like that, right? Like those yeah. are those are huge. And somebody listening may not understand how big that is, but that's a really big step for a dog. And being able to come to, you know, group classes and being around other dogs with the same rules makes that just just amplifies that and makes it go quicker. Yeah. Well, you know, if I could, if I could flip a switch on every dog I meet and just make them a calm, friendly dog that loves everybody and loves dogs, then that'd be great. 
But the fact is, that's not who Ruby is, and it's not who she's ever going to be. Um, so, so what I've got to do is change the way she feels about those situations if I can and when yeah. I can, and then give her the tools to deal with them in a safe way rather than rather than a vet visit. So, you know, when when Banks, this German Shepherd, when he walked by, she she watched and she, you know, was kind of vibrating a little bit and a little bit of whimpering. So some adrenaline there. Yeah. Yeah. So she's got the adrenaline and, but that's so cool for me because I know what she wants to do. I know what her instincts are telling her to do, but instead she's staying put and working through it and then bringing herself down without, without me talking to her, without touching her, without really anything. She's, She's working through that on her own. And we, like you've said a few times, we don't know what's going on in their head, but I I wonder, you know, like in her, that adrenaline's going and her brain says, Hey, we might need to do something about this. Be tough, you know, but then there's also that boundary, right? Uh, But, but I'm in place. So how does this work? And so she held to that boundary and then the situation dissipated and she's like, Oh, okay. I can do that. Yeah. And it would just give her more skills that way. Yeah. Well, you, you talked a lot about this, but um, what else would you like to say about how life's changed since this process? Uh, so I guess, I mean, oh, so um, I, I mentioned that we we're, we're kind of back to keeping Ruby and Gamora separate. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, we're still careful about other meetings, meetings, Ruby meeting other dogs. Um, but she can do it and it works out okay. And we just don't, don't expect too much of her. Don't, don't make her really play. But the other thing that's been really wild and, and is, is kind of life changing because fostering and helping a shelter dog is something we wanted to do is we're able to keep Shenzi because Shenzi and Ruby are friends. Um, I've never seen Ruby. We've had Ruby since she was just a few months old, just, just old enough to bring home. She's never played with another dog. She's, I've, I've never seen her do a play bow. She's other than, other than tolerating Groot, she, she wants nothing to do with any other dog ever, but somehow she and Shenzi are friends. They, they will play tug together. They will lay next to each other. Uh, Ruby will do a play bow with her. And it's, uh, you know, it allows us to have this situation that, Really, otherwise, it's too tough to manage. Wow. So, so that's really huge. And then just all of the, the functional commands, like we've talked about with place and down and leave it and um, learning how to walk. I mean, a walk with her is really enjoyable. She, she walks. It's not a perfect heel, but it really doesn't need to be. She's walking at my side. She's checking in. She's trusting me to take care of things. And I'm not fighting her on the leash. It's just... You know, all of those things that were overwhelming are now easy and we can work them in easily. And so if there's something new we want to try, then then we're already here. We don't have to start down here. So, you know, all all of that stuff is is really great. And then, um, you know, that's that's Ruby and we're doing some things with the other dogs, too. But uh with, with all these skills and, and really, you know, communicating with a dog, seeing a dog, understanding 
kind of their their body language and just just how to interact with them that you can learn a lot with content but um you know you, you've got to you got to do it and to to really build those skills it's it's like learning a new language just learning how to interact with the animals um so like uh, I, th I think one of the questions you mentioned was uh, about things that were things in the training that were harder than I thought they'd be. And, and if I was nervous about using any of the tools and, you know, the, the first time I saw the prong color, I, I felt a little bad. And, you know, there's a lot of content out there that says those things are really bad and you should never use them. And so what I learned was there are bad ones, but there are good ones like, like, the, the springer that you use and, and there's a right way to use it and a wrong way to use it. So I got over that pretty quick, but then when it was time for the e-collar, I, I mean, I really felt bad about doing this to, to my poor Ruby. And I just, I was afraid that she was going to hate me and it was going to damage our relationship. And, and so I was nervous about it from that aspect, but then also just the timing, the coordination, orchestrating all of the, all of the parts of that training. So pushing the right button at the right time and the right, you know, whether it was a tap or a hold and saying the right thing and doing and, and holding the leash the right way and having her in the right place and, you know, doing all of that with perfect timing. Yeah. That was, that was really overwhelming. I, and that was, that week was the toughest for me in training. Um, week four is there's a lot going on with our hands. Yeah. Yeah, the hands and the eyes, and if you're looking at the the remote, then you're not looking at the dog. And I mean, it was tough, but uh, but the e collar. I mean, she. I still don't. I I wouldn't say that she loves it. Um, yeah. And I don't know that it's for every dog. You know, that our Shenzi. She she seems to require a lighter touch. You know, with pit bulls, I've heard you don't want to be heavy handed and. So uh, they both get, they get butt hurt really easy. Yeah. Yeah. And they're just like, Oh yeah. If Ruby doesn't want to do what I want her to do, uh, I can make her, but uh, Shenzi, I try to avoid <laughs> making her do anything because she's, she's got a lot more power. Well, and ultimately that's what we want every dog to do is make that, choice right we want to give enough feedback that they can make the choice themselves instead of and we do it all the time with little dogs we're like well i can just pick them up or i can just you know drag them this way move them right um but it's always better even with a little dog if they're making that choice right yeah. we're giving feedback and they make that choice well i I've, I've loved what you said and i love what you're doing with shelter dogs that's awesome to hear about that to hear about that process um anything else You'd add Lorelai? No, I I love to hear how you have worked through the process too. Because yeah. all of your progress, to me, I'm just saying, he's done the work. He's done the program, you know? Um, it's, it's magic in a way, like, oh, I just needed to know how to do this. But it's not magic in a way that you just, you got to do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and... Um... You know, one of the uh, one of the big things that I've gotten out of it, you know, we've talked about all of the practical gains. Um, you know, Ruby's life is better. Our life is better. We have 
less management we have to do with her and she can be in more situations with less stress. But uh, honestly, one of the, one of the best things about it is, you know, I worried about her hating me for doing all of these things to her. Yeah. Being, being rough and correcting her and making her do things differently. Uh, but through new stuff. Yeah. But from really early on um, and, and it's, increased as we've gone through is what I feel is a much stronger bond with her. Like, you know, we just know each other better. Uh, she trusts me more and, you know, and of course I can't read her mind, but I know that when she's looking at me, she, she's thinking, Hey, this is better. Yeah. Like, yeah. The, the trust is increased. The respect is increased. The, and, and we're just, we just have such a closer bond than, than we did before. Wow. It's, it's oh, really great. I really love that. Cause just like you mentioned before, a lot of people worry that these tools that I'll be honest, a prong collar looks like a torture tool. Like they look, yeah. they don't look great. There's a reason for every little part of that. But, um, but a lot of people worry about their relationship with their dog and, I love that you saying that relationship's different. It's changed. It's, it's better, better. Yeah. than it yeah. was. And definitely there's going to be some, you know, there you're kind of throwing things out there. You're saying we're going to do things different and it's going to change a dynamic, but almost always that's the relationship is going to get stronger. Yep. That process. So yep. thank you so much, Zach, for coming on and, and for sharing your story. We love to hear these stories and to, to help other people have hope. Um, in their situation, when it seems hopeless, there's so much that can be done. And dogs are amazing animals. And I wish I was more like a dog in that they are so willing to change when we we start to thread that needle the right way and help them understand. And we understand what you know they're going through and working through that process. There's so many dogs that their lives could be saved or their situation could be different if they could have that hope. So thank you for spreading that today. And thanks for being such a great leader, stepping yeah. up and doing it. Well, thank you. I'm really glad that we stumbled into you guys and, uh, you know, everything is a lot better now. It's given, you know, I, I was aware of a lot of content before, but there's so much conflicting content out there. It's really tough to know what to listen to and what not to listen to. Um, and, you know, having this, this program, you know, one-on-one -on -one with a person who can reassure and show the right way and, and point out your mistakes and go through this. I mean, it gives you th this foundation and this really good start at how to work with the dogs, how to interact and, and then a context of where to put all the other information, all the other content that's out there, you know, you can make a much better position to make sense of it, to fit it in with what I've learned and see what works with what I know and what doesn't work. And um, it's been great. Really glad that you guys are doing what you're doing. Thank you. Yeah. There is something to say about just going all in on a program. Yeah. <laughs> do it start to finish. Yep. Thank you so much for doing that. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Zach.